All right, welcome to the Good Rookies Podcast. My name is Fahim. And my name is Nellie J, and we are Good Rookies. That's right. Yo, everyone, happy, happy holiday, happy day, happy October. This is episode number eight, y'all. We are trudging along the lane, and we are so excited because our guests today are, not only are they, are they smart, they're, they're also funny, but also they're going to drop a lot of good insight on the topics we have aligned for y'all today. So please introduce our amazing guest, Raheem. Nice. So first of all, uh, we're blessed today to have from Locker Room Talk podcast. Uh, we have, first we have Andrew Miller. Andrew. Andrew. Hey guys. Hey, thank you for having me guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, and second... We have his other partner on the podcast, in which we have Warren Ward. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. (laughs) So, guys, um, what's your background? Let the folks know about, you know, what you've been working on in the past, what you're up to now. So we'll go with Andrew first. Well, uh, I always say, like, I kind of live under the creator sort of title. Uh, but, you know, I have a communications background. Uh, you know, I love uh, activism and, and helping members of the community. My brother and I have a charity not-for-profit in Scarborough uh, called the One More Wear Foundation, where we do uh, programming on body image, resume building, self-esteem. Uh, but when I'm not doing that stuff, I enjoy, you know, uh, sneakers, sports, snacks, uh, and all things reality TV. Uh, of course, you mentioned that Warren and I have a basketball podcast, formerly basketball podcast, uh, called uh, Locker Room Talk. Uh, but I also do a re- I did a reality TV podcast as well. I was on Big Brother Canada. Not yes, important sure. anymore, guys. A little little old. And it wasn't on very long. But uh, happy to be here talking sports with you guys. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> tough, tough act to follow up, Andrew. I don't know what to say. Well, uh, listen, guys, <laughs> we should have introduced each other. <laughs> Warren, Warren Ward, Carlton <laughs> U alumni. Ottawa U. Ottawa U. Get Ottawa U. Right. My bad. Ottawa, yeah. you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's known all, all over the world by guys, but you know, yeah. uh, international hooper, uh, media personality, model now, Warren, yeah. is that true? I saw him on the runway, oh, oh, snap. Yeah, no, I've, um, I like to wear a multitude of hats, you know, I try to seize the day, you know, uh, as much as I can, pro athlete uh, for six years, um, I retired in 2018, and then uh, I broke into the media space, so I was an analyst for the Raptors 905. Um, and I've tried to work my way within that industry, uh, and I'm doing the same thing now, but more so on my own. Um, I've been blessed enough to uh, interview people like Tricks in the last couple of weeks. Um, I've also done this segment uh, with the top Canadian volleyball players, so that will all soon to be coming out in the next few months, and that's what I've been keeping busy with. Nice. That's awesome. So we'd like to ask our guests a couple questions to, to give our viewers some insight into your, you know, your passion, your love of sports. So the question today is this, what is your most memorable sporting experience? It could be someone you met, it could be an event or a game you played in. So let us know what that is. Andrew, what you got for me? <laughs> um, I will say uh, I was very fortunate in 2016 to work with the NBA uh, behind the scenes in production. Uh, I worked for the All-Star Weekend uh, two weeks, best two weeks of my time of my life. I ended up uh, taking my vacation from my uh, communications job to go work uh, with the NBA. And, uh, you know, 
just simple like uh, you know production assistant stuff like running around grabbing stuff getting food and stuff but i will tell you this uh the perks of having a pass to be behind the scenes for all-star weekend uh was you know by far one of the greatest experience i was like i every night like all-star all-star week i don't know about you guys but all-star weekend for me is like 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 a religious holiday like we, we i take it seriously i have people over there's there's food and everything <laughs> regularly so when it's in toronto and it's like in my home city and I'm, i have an opportunity to do the work and be a part of it behind the scenes I, I i swear i didn't sleep for those two weeks and it was you know i met <laughs> some wonderful people i got a i got to meet craig sager in an elevator uh before his passing which was one of those things that you know i, I got to hang out with shaq's kids sharif and Shafir, you know, behind the scenes and, and, and talk shit to them. And uh, just like a lot, I, I sat next to Yao Ming. Uh, uh, I was courtside for the slam dunk competition, which some would say the best slam dunk competition in NBA history. Uh, Air Gordon. Zach Levine. Yeah, by far. I was there too. That was amazing, man. Amazing slam dunk competition. That was, was back and forth, like every dunk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just, yeah. to, just to be part of that, I think, was one of, the, one of those things. And, you know, just the... Uh, you know, All-Star Weekend in Toronto was, was for me, like, you know, one of those things. And, and I guess I didn't really feel that again until, the you know, the Raptors won this year. And yeah. I was fortunate enough to work with the NBA again for the finals. I ended up quitting a job to go work with the, uh, with the NBA for two weeks. Uh, don't regret it at all, but uh, we won the championship and everything's history. Right? Hey, exactly. Exactly. How about you, Warren? Okay, I, I have a couple, if that's okay. That's I don't okay. just have one. Um, first and foremost, the probably the best experience I had was, you know, playing for Canada. Um, uh, and, you know, I mean, going to China, we won a silver medal there. So that was a great experience for me to represent my country at the FISU Games. Um, one of my goals going to university, you know I mean, was to make that team. So I was really, really blessed and happy to do so. Um, so, you know, playing for Canada was great. Um, I met Tracy McGrady, who was the reason why, you know, I started playing basketball. So that was another huge moment for me. And he was kind enough to, you know, ask me for the photo. I didn't even have to ask. So, you know, I remember after that game, I sat down and I was almost brought to tears because I was like, that's someone that I grew up, you know, like basically trying to be like, you know what I mean? So, um, and after I told him that, you know, it was, it was really cool to actually do that. So, um, and then finally, uh, in 2013, which would be going through the draft process. So, you know, I'm from a small place. Well, not a small place, but I'm from a place that's not, you know, in Toronto per se. So for me to go through the draft process um, was unbelievable for me. So uh, those three things. Warren, you're, you're, know, being, you're, you're being modest, Warren. Yeah. Warren okay, has so, hit some killer <laughs> game winners, Warren. Talk to those game winners, bro. Come on, man. I, so, it, I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at Fahimi's face and he's looking all confused. So essentially, uh, in 20, 2013, I was the third Canadian ever to go from the league here, which which was at the CIS, you know, me at the time, mm -hmm. to the NBA draft. So I entered I entered the draft at, at that time. So I went from the CIS, second team all Canadian, to a potential draft pick. And I worked out for a ton of teams. So that whole process, um, which at the time, like I said, I'm from a small place. So as much as people who watched me play would probably expect someone to dream of those things for someone like me it was never, it was never written. You know, I just wanted yeah. to be a pro and I'd have been happy with that. Mm -hmm. So for me to go through that process was just like the icing on the cake. So that's something I'll, I'll never forget. Wow. Guys, 
That's Warren's, Warren's also been on billboards, uh, Bell Canada, Flash. Oh, yeah. Model here. Warren is Warren is very humble. I got. I feel like I got. A, I got a time for yeah. my time. <laughs> got time today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you guys for those special experiences. Honestly, like I'm taken back and we're so honored to have you guys on the episode today. So Fahim, let's get this rock nope. and roll. <laughs> no. um, so let's start first with uh, Zoned In, Zoned Out. Okay, so um, first Cam Newton, COVID, um, the NFL. COVID. COVID. <laughs> <laughs> The way you're saying that is killing me. <laughs> should, oh, I can't. That should be like a commercial. Okay. <laughs> uh, so feedback. I mean, Nelly, I'll let you go first. Because I know you got a lot in the holster for this one. Honestly, Cam was doing so well with the Pats. I'm kind of disappointed that this has hit him. Because he's been through a lot. You know, when he was released and then no one wanted him. Bill Belichick took a chance and said, you know what, Cam? I see potential. I can kind of nurture your talent. He was so excited. He was on a revenge. Like, you know how LeBron has a revenge tour this year? He had a revenge tour for the NFL, for the player that didn't, for the team that denied him. And then, boom, COVID in terms of, you know. <laughs> um, but no, and honestly, even the game, like, they're playing the Chiefs. So, for me, I want to see how can the Patriots, what's the bit test, like, the test for them to play the Chiefs you know, Mahomes, the hottest guy on the block, right? And so mm -hmm. I wanted to see that game this weekend. It was unfortunate they got positive, but guess what? I'm happy. No one got tested. But today it came out that um, the reigning defensive player, Stephen Gilmore, got positive as well. Right. And if you saw, yes. So Stephen Gilmore, I guess after the game, he was up in Mahomes' face, like up in his grill. So I'm like, hold up. So if Mahomes gets positive, tested for COVID, Oh. The whole the whole league shut the whole league is annoying because Mahomes is like the hottest guy. So I'm hoping that Mahomes doesn't catch it. But if Gilmore has positive now, it's like, are we gonna start this whole COVID, this COVID vendetta of players getting mm -hmm. hit? I don't know, but it just sucks, man, because I really wanted Cam to go ham this year. <laughs> yeah. Cam is kind of like the Rudy Gobert of the uh of the NFL. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's the the the, the first guy, the first, you know, to come out in, in with COVID. And, right. it, and you're right, Nelly. It, it sucks. Like, everyone was rooting for Cam, you know what I mean? New chance, new drip, ready to go tear things up in New England. And then, you know, COVID. So <laughs> it was, it's one of those things where it's like, you know what, uh, it kind of does suck. But uh, what, 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 what the, can we talk about the comparisons with the NFL and, and the White House? Like, there's just like <laughs> willy-nilly just coming and going, not social distancing, mask, whatever. Like, it's, it's only a matter of time until the, it's, 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 I think, going to shut everything down, no? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I know, you know, I love NFL and, and sports back too, but, like, I just think there's got to be a bit more accountability. And I don't know, and I don't know if Cam is the guy to blame, but it is what it is, right? No, but, so these players, they're, unlike, say, the, and uh, NBA or the NHL, uh, they're not in a bubble situation. Like they're going home. You know what I'm saying? They're, so it makes it so much easier and understandable if some uh, NFL player gets COVID, right? But uh, they have so much players on their roster. It's so hard to contain, right? So, Plus, you, Cam is also a very popular guy. I don't know if you guys 
taking like he's he seems to be the type of person. I don't want to I want to judge my brother, but my brother likes to get dressed up, and you know them brothers that like to get dressed up. You know what they like to do? They want to see they want to show out the outfit so everyone knows where they got it. Where they so I get like he wants he wants to walk the runway. Warren, you know you like to walk the runway, Warren. You I like knew you were gonna say that. I knew it. I knew you were gonna bring it to me. As I, I was here minding my business. I knew he was gonna do that. Warren um, likes to walk around like Cam, have his ankles exposed a bit too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I, I mean, look, the Patriots are you know two and two. They had two losses, one to Seattle, you know, which was a, a great team. Another one to Kansas City. Other than that, you know, they've come out. You know, what I'm saying like they come with some wins, and I think. Cam is probably the most disrespected NFL player. Like, he's a former, you know, MVP of that league. And he had some dominant seasons. And for them to give him the money that they gave him, oh. you know, and like he said, they're, they're – and, you know, I don't mean to say this, but there are a lot of white quarterbacks that have gotten bigger chunks of change that haven't had the resume that he's had. Uh -huh. So – and then you go to New England, is in Boston. Boston's known – to have a ton of racist people. He got it. You go, to, you go there and you're, you know, I haven't heard, I haven't read one report that said Cam Newton is not the first person there at practice, the last person to leave. He studies the playbook the entire, the entire plane trip. Mm -hmm. He's studying the offense, defense. He is their hardest working player and yet has the least. And I don't, I mean, that seems to be the, the theme of 2020, even with COVID, you know, mm -hmm. that our people are, you know, are kind of getting the least hand going on right now so COVID or not um, I'm not a Patriots fan at all I, I don't like Bill Belichick I never did but this year I am I am rooting for them you know and I and I am rooting for him I, I want I want him to do well it sucks that he got COVID but anyone could catch that you know yeah. COVID has absolutely no jurisdiction COVID's on on, on Jupiter right now. It can go anywhere it wants to go. So COVID don't um, care about your job, about it who don't care. <laughs> it, do, it, do, it doesn't care. COVID don't give a crap about nothing. Mm -hmm. So um I wish him, you know, a speedy recovery. But I think in his situation, um he should be he 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 deserves whatever success and whatever blessings, you know what I mean, come his way after this. Hundred percent. Yeah. And keep in mind, you know, COVID was a 14-day turnaround. So he'll, he'll miss two weeks. He'll miss two, two games in the NFL, yeah. world, right? So two games isn't really a big deal because the NFL season is a long season. But, you know, my prediction for this year was that, you know, the NFL will do what NFL does, which, which will, they're going to have games. So if half their roster gets sick, they're going to recruit more people. They do not care Amen. if no, you're positive or not. Like, they're, they're going to commit to contracts. So this is, th th this is their Survivor League. You know Survivor Island? That's the NFL this year. So if you get positive, all right, come back in two weeks. Who's next? Like, they ain't got time yeah. for that. So the yeah. NFL will continue. And like you said before, I'm I'm not a Pats fan, but I, I do respect Bill because Bill, what he what he's done with, like, with defenses, um, like, you know, um, like, he's like a chess player, like a chess coach. Like, he will play the clock. He will play your offense against you, like, he's very smart and strategic in every game he plays, so I respect him as a coach, but you're right, I really want Cam to do all well this year. Um, mm -hmm. By the way, I feel like this year we got amazing black QBs, we got Mahomes, we got, we got, um, we got Russ, right, uh, we got, um, we got a boy from the Ravens, we have a lot of black QBs that are going off, and compared to, like, a decade ago, we had, like, what, Michael Vick and McNabb, right, that's it. 
So we're having, there's so much more black QBs coming up. And I'm, I think it's amazing. Dak Prescott today more. So I feel the NFL having more black QBs. Hope we get more black coaches. But yeah, like I'm hoping Cam gets back in the game, man. Because I really want him to go off on everybody. <laughs> it's crazy when you talk about black quarterbacks. Like I think back to like, you know, Warren Moon. Right. Uh, of course, mm -hmm. Randall. That's Randall, where I got my name Red, from. Oh, oh. real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, my dad, my that's my dad's favorite athlete of all time because they wouldn't, they wouldn't let him play in the NFL. He had to come here to Canada, break all the records, you know what I mean, <laughs> out there in Edmonton, and yeah. and then they finally let him back in the NFL when he was over the age of you know normal, you know you know like, and I I find that to be such a a disservice to him because like the man, uh, I think he won the Heisman. Uh, or if not the Heisman, he uh, he won the Rose Bowl, 100%. I know that for a fact. Mm -hmm. So you win all those awards, and then you still don't get to play in the NFL just because it at the time, as my dad always says, it was a thinking man's position, and we could only run and catch the ball. Mm -hmm. We couldn't think. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah no, that's where I got my name from. That's wild, man. No, like, oh. it's, it's so disrespectful that, you know, even that uh, these – these, I guess – their position, they're all the same, right, Warren? Like, there's no more higher than other, right? Everyone, it's a team game, no. all, all same part. So, like, the thing, yeah. is, oh, a, a position only reserved for you know the best or the or not even the best, like the the brightest, I suppose, is, is stupid. Uh, but I'm not surprised, man. We couldn't get water from the same tap, you know what I mean, 70 years ago. So, I, I mean, yeah. to go ahead and play football is even that's a blessing in itself. Exactly. Right, so. so hopefully, I'm hoping in the future we're gonna see a big shift because we're seeing a lot more black youth playing quarterback or playing multiple positions, right? So I'm hoping, and also I mean we need more black coaches, more black owners before. So yeah, but they don't have a choice yeah. right now, Nelly. They don't have a choice, regardless yeah. of whatever sport it is. Minorities are dominating the sport. It don't matter what you could turn on cricket, you could turn on the only thing they got is really hockey, to be honest. I mean, other oh, than that's, that, that's shifting too, man. But, but that might yeah, right. They actually drafted a second, uh, a second draft pick, a black player from um, Sudbury, and right. he's the second, he's the highest pick for a black player ever in the history of NF NHL. Now well, it was yesterday, go. so imagine so, there's a mean, movement, we, man. There's a movement, like you said. Mm -hmm. Can we talk it's, about like black? Can we, should we not be playing football anymore, guys? Like, what, what's going on with this youth football? Which football? Like, in, oh, sorry, not not soccer? your fancy uh, soccer, but like oh, okay, actually okay. American football. Mm -hmm. I know there's a conversation about you know concussions and like shifting that, like, but it seems like youth football in America is is still very much a thing. Yeah, in America, especially Texas, like a couple, a few states are all football states, like. They don't Florida. care about basketball, yeah, their football. Yeah. Like, if we go to a football game in Texas in high school, it's bigger than our university games in Canada. It's yeah. that massive. The following of football is insane in the States. Like, it really is. It's huge, huge. Um, it's well, American sport. From the from the uh, health perspective are, you know, not playing that as much because of what it does to your body and, you know, the training commitment involved and, you know, like just the difficulty of, you know, quote unquote, making it like if you're not in the NFL, there's no other pro league that's, you know, that enjoyable for, you know, anyone to go ahead and play in. Right. Like it isn't like basketball where there's leagues all over the world. Mm -hmm. In the NFL, it's like, you know, you want to make it to the NFL or what? Nothing. That's it. You know what I mean? So or CFL. Um, 
or C or CFL, exactly. But even even with that being said, the dream is to play there. So if you can't yeah. play there, it's very very hard for someone to say, you know, I'm going to dedicate my life to this. So um, until there is an alternative and another league for these guys to play in, I mean, I don't know. I I wouldn't that like that wouldn't be my first sport to go ahead and play for sure. <laughs> and it's costly to, you know what I mean, to the American family. You know, it's it's not it's not a cheap sport to play. Yeah, yeah. NFL and NHL are both costly sports. Yep. And so I grew, I've been big my whole life, man. I'm not trying to get mashup guys, personally speaking. Yeah. You know, I think that bigger <laughs> players always are, are, are some sort of a target on the field like that as well. So it's like you're kind of putting yourself in a, in a position to either, you know, have a bad back for the rest of your life or bad knees or concussion, you know, but hey, that's just my opinion. You know, it's great, great fun on Super Bowl Sunday, guys. I love nachos and chili and, and, and all that stuff. But like me, I'm, you know, I'm getting older now, a bit more gray in my beard. So now I'm like, okay, well, is this really the way we should be, you know, positioning our youth? And you yeah, know, yeah, I, I hear you. Let's try. I like seeing people get smashed in the face too, though. But. Uh, let's switch gears and let's transition to uh, Canadian Black Focus Programming. A uh, reason why I think it'd be relevant is uh, Andrew uh, being from Big Brother Canada, uh, you know, expertise in the area of media. So, <laughs> sort of, I guess, I guess. You know. <laughs> um, so I want to start from an angle of this since we're around sports. Uh, so with Canadian focused black programming, we don't really have a lot of programs. Uh, or I even say like, docs or movies or really anything toward say even black sports movies or black sports athletes or anything that has to do with the black experience in regards to sports right so i want to get your feedback in regards to that and any any uh direction you think that we might be going with that andrew i'll go with you first yeah, no, I saw an amazing documentary on a Sportsnet last week on Donovan Bailey. Mm -hmm. uh, Donovan Bailey, a Canadian world record holder, sprinter, icon. Uh, I did a story on him when I was writing a journalist background. I did a story on him for Sway Magazine. I got to go to his house. At the time he was living downtown, he had a whole like a floor of an apartment building. Like literally, the, the, you go up in his place, open up Donovan, Donovan's floor, bro. But... Uh, <laughs> Neither here nor there. Uh, shout out to my guy, uh, Donovan Bennett, as well, at Sportsnet, doing great Black Canadian right. coverage as well. We right. need more representation, guys. And it's not just people in front of the camera. We need people creating the content, producers, uh, right. executives, people pitching these stories because their stories are not being told. In that documentary with Donovan Bailey, by the way, Marcy Ian, uh, also going to be running a member of parliament as well. She has some wonderful things talking about Donovan's story, the Jamaican-Canadian story, his mm -hmm. issues being Jamaican in Canada, where they wasn't fucking with him because he was too Jamaican. And mm -hmm. as, as Jamaican, man, I know we're boisterous people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We don't take kindly to disrespect. And if someone comes to disrespect, we are coming for them. <laughs> and that's not very Canadian. Yes. And I think that was one of the things that I took away from that specific documentary that like we need more stories like this so that these people in Alberta, you know, none of it, wherever they're watching that hockey game 
if they're not, the game's not on, watch this stuff so you guys get cultured and understand the experience and what our athletes and our heroes have to go through in order to survive. Great, great documentary, guys. Uh, but that's few and far between. Mm-hmm. Not nearly enough, not nearly enough representation. Uh, Warren and I have spoken on this topic numerous times. Warren, extremely outspoken on this topic. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let Warren get his, his shots up because I know he, he got a lot to say on this one. Warren, also friends with Kayla Gray. Kayla Gray, a broadcaster. Yes. Been through the ringer lately. Yeah, uh, she has. But yeah. now getting and her flowers, Warren. She, she is getting her flowers. She is. She is. Yeah, um, she is now, like, I think recently, like, ever since the the, the the boycott, I think the NBA, like, when they walked out, I saw Kayla and a lot of these, like, hockey personalities asking, hey, Kayla, so what's your thoughts on the walkout? I'm like, oh, so now you want to know how she feels. Now you want to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would just, I'd like to add a, a, a couple things, if I can. I'll say that, um, first and foremost, I think if you want to have more, you know, more representation in terms of media content, then those who control the content need to be of the same hue. I'll say that. Mm. And um, right now, we don't have that. And um, we are just placeholders. They'll let one person in the door, but um, there is no, there is no real diversity. And this, it's a, it's a, such a sad thing because Toronto prides itself on being this inclusive you know, you know, like multicultural city. And yes, there are a lot of people that live here, but the people that control and make decisions here are all the same. Yeah. And especially in the field of media. So, and that just goes into media and entertainment. There's no, there, there isn't a lot of producers. And if you're going to talk about expertise in a sport per se, such as basketball, then I don't feel as though, and you know, and this is just, you know, I guess my personal opinion, I don't think I should be subject to look around in an office and see the people that are dictating and making decisions on who's going to be, you know, on TV tonight, who's going to be, you know, giving the public their opinion and their, you know, expertise on a subject they've, you know, they, you know, like they haven't done, you know, or competed in. So it's literally friends or white people essentially putting other white people in positions of power and um, unfortunately, it's affecting the content of media. You know, we don't have a lot of content that Americans do. And um, I, I mean, America is as, as backward as they are. They're way more progressive when it comes to, you know, entertainment. I mean, they mm-hmm. have special networks and special, even tricks. You know, they, like Trick said, he's a placeholder in comedy here. Tricks, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. One of the funniest yeah. people across this whole country mm-hmm. is, is a, he's a quota filler in Canada. Right. He's not. He's not a front pager. He's not a frontliner. He's a quota filler. That is. That is unacceptable, in yeah. my opinion. And that goes across any field, not just sports and entertainment. So, I mean, you know, with that being said, we need to develop our own, and they and people in positions of power need to fund these things so that we can now develop that. Because if we're gonna be a diverse country, right, and that's accepting of everybody then everyone needs a chance, you know what I mean, to tell their story. Not just black media, Asian media, Indian media, mm-hmm. all different forms of media. It, it needs to be shown. Yeah. I want to hop in here. Sorry, uh, Nelly. Uh, but I also wanted to shout out a few Canadian shows. Uh, of course, Rock the Mic on the CBC, one of my favorite, uh, you know, hip-hop 
And that's ahead of its time, guys, if you look at what they were trying to do back then. Yeah. Uh, but it's also been a long time since uh, the kink in my hair, uh, right. talking about, you know, yes. diversity and, and, and that on television as well. I don't think we have a show like that or like those anymore. So I think there's definitely a gap in the marketplace. Uh, salute to Kimba's Convenience, uh, tearing yeah, it up. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't want to even make that show, guys. Yo. They didn't want to have this, that show. That show is so needed. And it's on, it's on Netflix. It's a big show. It's really popular in the States as well. It just shows that, like, we have so much talent. And it sucks because a lot of our talented actors that are Black or personality, they all go to the States. And, and they don't they come back. To. Right? Yeah, they have to though. Because I get, I totally understand that, but this is my this is my issue with with black with black media in Canada. We don't have a black billionaire in Canada yet. Who's our black billionaire? We don't have one. Ah, uh, so, we do. Uh, Michael D. Chin. Yes. My, oh yeah, sorry, Michael D. Chin. Okay, so we have one. Yeah, he's an outlaw. No, I get what you're saying though. Yeah, totally. Right. So this is the thing, right? We need to have our black millionaires and the billionaires to put up to, to give us chances to say hey guys i'm a millionaire i will invest in this show with you guys because i believe in this culture i believe in this movement we don't have anyone advocating for our movement that's why we have so many black podcasts like in toronto that aren't on the main media right all my friends literally are are, are watching podcasts over tv because it has black Canadian content people that they want to look at on their screen, right? So the issue is that we need more people in power that are black in, politi in politics, in the cabinet. Um, I know they have a, a black uh, diversity group within the federal government. People like that can say, hey, we need to fill this gap because the stories of the black experience, the stories of Black Lives Matter, the stories of activism is not on TV. So if you're imaginable, why is this Black Lives Matter going on? I don't get it. Of course you don't because your TV doesn't show our story so you'll never understand why we're upset you know oh well we're not america yeah but canada's pretty terrible too my dear right um so it it's like we have to show the black experience and what and what we're dealing with in our own country but unfortunately no one gets a chance to do that right so just like you know the Issa ray Issa ray had no one trying to back her up what she do? She went on YouTube, created her own show, and now HBO wants her, right? So yep. I'm hoping any creator, if you're black and you have a story, go on YouTube. Put it like don't let the media stop you. Keep pushing because I guess what? You never know who will see your show and who will put who will put you on a platform for you to, for you to empower our people. So don't give up. I know it's challenging, but just don't give up. Like just push through it. Like real talk. Well, sorry to I just want to add in that yeah. media's whole objective is to maintain that status quo right i mean exactly you know like why would they want to change it that's why there is no black you know like any black networks you know you know that's why there is no black you know i mean like there's no black canadian content is because it's controlled by people who don't want that to be on tv mm -hmm. right the, the the black story has been written for us and right. that goes and that's literally anywhere around the world you know like if you turn on the tv if you see, a, you know, black people on TV, we are literally, um, you know, entertainers. We are athletes. We are a bunch of other things. And if you turn on the TV for a white kid, and I always say this, if like, if a white girl, if a white kid, turns on, you know, if a white kid turns on the TV, excuse me, he sees himself with limitless possibilities. He can, he can, he can identify with anything or anybody on television. Black kids, 
it's usually starting from the worst situation and then a few of us make it to the top. That's yeah. like the black story that media has portrayed. And it's usually mm-hmm. done in a negative light. And if you go, and if you look across any TV show, that's the reality. White kids and white people, it usually stems from something positive to an even bigger positive. Yeah. And I feel like our stories in TV need to represent that. Like I, I know black creators. I know black photographers. I know, you know, black scientists. I know, you know, I mean, uh, uh, one of my best friends is an entrepreneur who has literally started using hemp as a way to, you know, build homes. Why isn't there a story about that? That's amazing. Of course. You know, he, you know, and, and, but instead, when you see us on TV, you see us, you know, dribbling a ball or, you know, you see us doing things that, yes, you know, we dominate those things, but there's so much more. There's so much more to the story that a younger kid can look at and say, oh, I see myself in him. I can do that too. Mm. Um, amazing points, all you. Um, all I have to say is just to add to it. Um, race aside, I think in Canada, we have to do a better job of promoting our own. Um, I'm not sure if anyone here actually watches Shit's Creek. Anybody? Honestly, no. No, I, I haven't. But I but like I but I've heard about it. Okay, yeah. So yeah, me and my wife, we got into watching one, two episodes and we said, Oh, this is funny. We went through, we finished the whole thing. Um Shit's Creek. Um, it went at the Emmys. Now I know we're in yeah. you know COVID right now, but it went to the Emmys and it swept like all seven categories for comedy, which is like unheard of. It's pretty historic. And um to think it's such a rare feat to happen. You figure Canada and the Canadian media would like milk that situation to like lift them up and at least say, hey, um, but it's one of those things, uh, something that just historic has happened and they actually fail to really acknowledge and actually let people know about it, even if they watch the show or not, right? So I think as, as, as Canadians, we need to do better to, to promote our own race aside. Yeah, agreed. Right? Mm-hmm. agreed. Agreed. So let's go to For the Culture. Well, the culture. So, guys, for the culture today, we want to talk about, I think, you know, Masai Jury called it a movement. Um, it is the Basketball, Basketball Association League. Um, the league was announced, um, I would say, last year. And then, you know, the dates and the prelim game started last year as well. However, it's partnered with the NBA and FIBA uh, wanted to create a continental professional basketball league. It will, have, it will feature 12 different teams. Uh, countries including included will be like Angola, Egypt, Kenya, Morocco, Nigeria, Rwanda, Senegal, South Africa, and Tunisia. And what's really interesting was this, okay? The reason why they did this was pretty cool. The NBA found that in 20, what, 34, Africa will have the world's largest working age population of 1.1 billion. Okay, that's huge. They say that this project and consumers up in Africa will probably spend over $2 trillion by 2025. So the continent of Africa has so much opportunity financially. Resources, as you know, is unlimited. Africa is probably the largest continent in the world. And so the ecosystem for this entire project was due. You know, uh, Matumbo talked about um, how, you know, he was in tears because he's always wanted the NBA in Africa. A lot of the kids out there, they see, you know, African players in the NBA, but don't know how to get there. You know, in football and soccer, you know, soccer is easier because, you know, they have the leagues in soccer in Africa. 
but now having a, an international like a league I think they're gonna I think they're, they're allowing about six players internationally to play in, in each team as well which is a, a great opportunity for guys in Canada who don't want to play for the CBL stuff like that can now play in Africa you never know in that league too so what's your thoughts on this entire project you know is it a good look do you support it where do you see this going and any feedback you would want to give our viewers about your thoughts on this entire entire project? Okay, so I just want to hop mm -hmm. in real quick and just expand on this a bit. So the ABL, the African Basketball League, that before that was like the top tier. Yes, This is actually pretty much breaking. It was last year uh, that they said they're going to start the BAL, uh, which is an uh, association with also with Jordan Brand also. So Jordan and Brand. And Nike as well. And, and Pepsi. Right. Uh, <laughs> Adam Silver's behind this also. So the NBA, this is like NBA. The, so outside of Canada, the United States, the NBA doesn't have actually a presence. There's been talk of possibly the NBA expanding to like Europe, etc. But Are they in China, sorry, is the NBA part of China's league? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but with the BAL, um, <laughs> what they're doing is expanding to have twelve teams. Um, with two conferences, right, and take it continental independently for each each area to have their own team, which makes this like pretty groundbreaking because of the fact that well, actually, before I get to that, I want to ask a quick question because hmm, how do I say this? Okay, watch this. I'm gonna ask each one real quick. Give me three African players that you can name off the top of your head. Andrew, OG Ananobi. Uh -huh. uh, uh, Serge Ibaka, uh, Kim Olajuwon. Very good. You know what I mean? One. Uh, Pascal Siakam, Pops Mensabonsu. Nice. Uh, Luol Dang. Nice. Good job. There you go. Nelly J. The, the one that named those three. But <laughs> um, Tumbo, of course. The Tumbo. Yeah. A couple of Afri African players in the WNBA as well. So, right. yeah. So, I, I, I guess my point is, um, with all the players that we're mentioning, I noticed something that they're always front court players. Mm. Like I, I can't think of an African backcourt player, point guard or two guard. Well, there's, there's Moutier, but I guess the, you know American is Francis Moutier. Yeah, or, like, I wouldn't even say he's a he's a he's American. A, yeah, even like you know Victor Oladipo. If you want to talk about you know his yeah, Lord, you know what I mean? okay. So I guess maybe you, you, I'm saying. you mean you mean like you mean like someone straight from there who comes yeah, to America? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're all the guards have been like either you know developed in Europe or or right. they've been developed you know in America. There's no real African guard. Right. Can I, can I can I say I think I know where you're going with this. Okay. The, the, the stereotype amongst European players, Warren, <laughs> is that some of them are a little soft. <laughs> some would say your boy Luka Doncic a little soft. And the you narrative about you my African that. brothers, <laughs> my African brothers are warriors, tribesmen that are 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 are. are, are Amazing big men, yeah. legendary bigs. No, you got Serge, you got Pascal. We owe Africa for the Raptors owe Africa a, a championship ring at this point. No, <laughs> well, Masai, Siakam, OG, like, yeah, <laughs> OG didn't play, but Siakam, yes. we're gonna be going ahead. Um, progress because we have made progress from like think Manute Bowl and Akima Lajuan, you know, what I'm saying where, uh, and it's been like what 30 years and here we are we have so much african players um 
But I think if, like, I'm actually racked my brain this afternoon. Think, can I think of a backcourt player, a point guard, two guards from Africa? And I can't. So um, in regards to spinning back to this league, the BAL. Mm-hmm. So um, it's obviously an opportunity for players there also, um, right? But also it's an opportunity for scouts to go there to look to see, well, who's going to, you know, uh, AAU or in the States or who's going to, you know, uh, college in the States, et cetera, right? Um, I'm just wondering if we may be caught in this stereotype of Africans can only be big, like, you know what I'm saying? We're not doing a good job of, I think, developing and nurturing. You might be in Africa right now, one of the African countries, and say be like 6'2 or 6'3, you know? And maybe they might, I know the saying, you can't teach height, I get it. But I think we have to really focus on those 6'2, 6'3, 6'4 players um, to make sure that they have an opportunity to get to that next level to, to get in the game. Yeah, but keep in mind, Fahim, I think players that height want to play soccer, football. Like, no offense, like, I think... Well, I, I, that's I feel a like, to me, in Africa, I feel the, 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 number, the number one sport to get into right now is, is soccer. Because, right. like, all, like, like, I'm half Nigerian. My father and all his friends, they're, like, avid soccer. Like, that's, like, their mm-hmm. sport. Basketball is now growing in the continent more, yes. But don't get it twisted. Soccer is still the number one baby, right? Basketball will get there, I think, for sure eventually because i think there's a lot of opportunity there it will provide jobs but i just feel that like a lot of like young kids their number one is soccer and then maybe basketball that's just my opinion yeah yeah i no i totally agree i mean warren uh, guys can i say this before you? warren played with pascal siakam in the crown league yeah. in toronto uh pascal warren has has been on our show saying that pascal siakam's skill sets wasn't what it was that it no. is now, right? No, what it was is not. about these African players, Warren, that just they, they p- be able to pick up things so quickly and be dominant? Like, these stories are, like, absurd, no? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think once they're taught how to play, I mean, there's no, like, you can, you can build a league for, like, you know, you can build a league for pros, but if there's no, like, youth development, you know, if there's no league for them to start young and you know learn the fundamentals then you're kind of lacking pascal had you know at what 16 started playing basketball you know what i mean um and i think before that he played soccer yeah. so he 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 learned all the fundamentals late and then just you know just stuck to those as soon as as soon as you can dunk you know what do kids want to do all the time start dunking so you don't practice your fundamentals anymore. Pascal was terrible. He had, you know, no foundation. So he started to learn those things. Now, in Europe, there is a lot more African guards. But in terms of, like, mm. you know, a gener- especially in France, there's a ridiculous amount. But oh. in terms of, like, in terms of a generational, because, you know, unfortunately, if you're going to be a guard in the NBA, you got to be a generational talent, you know, like, maybe a a third string or you know second string point guard okay but if you're gonna play play then I don't know like you 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 know you gotta be you know a James Harden type of you know you know Paul George type of guard so I know that they have the six eight kids over there but they don't have the body structure you know Mm -hmm. what I mean they don't have any of the fundamentals come on all these other guys have Bull Bull's game right now uh African body type African body type Super, yeah. super skill set, leaping super ability, skill. athleticism, handles not bad, warmth, shots get in there. 
I thought he deserved more playing time in that in that series. Just my opinion, no. Who? But okay. So, but on the other end, obviously Michael right? Porter is gonna. You know, Michael Porter is always complaining. Okay. Yeah. yeah but, but like, come Michael on, Porter's man. ability to get up and down the floor better than his is why he played. You know yeah. what I mean? There's so so many more intangibles other than his length, because length is only a part of the game. You have a seven foot five guy. You know what position is he gonna play? And not only that, how does he help your offense? Like he doesn't make Jokic better. So it's 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 difficult for them to say, okay, you know what? Yeah, this guy's tall, you know, like let's play him there. But Vim, I agree with you. There is that I think that league is gonna stop the like it's gonna stop the export of talent mm-hmm. for one. So that African players don't have to go anywhere else. They can just stay where they are, exactly. you know what I mean? Stay in, you know, home, develop themselves and then go to the NBA or then go to Europe. They don't have to leave anymore. And I think that's more important than anything else. I mean, you know, they're, you know, I know for me playing basketball, having, you know, my family around was, uh, you know, like a big deal. So I can't imagine for them other guys who don't have to come to America, you know what I mean, or Europe at age 13 with nothing, you know what I mean? And then try and fit in here. You know, yeah. they can stay home in their homeland and play basketball, which is amazing. Right. That's dope. And I think also the biggest thing they mentioned was that, like Masai Ujiri was saying, the amount of job opportunities, the amount of, like, yeah. you know, just schooling, training camps. Um, you know, Adam Silver was saying, when, like, he's been there a couple, four times now because they had, you know, a couple games there throughout the couple years. And he was saying that there's a lot of potential for us to grow the sport, but also grow the talent. Like you mentioned, training at a young age, because those kids don't know about basketball because there's no there's no one to, to coach them on it. No one. So, they, you know, they don't even have a court. Yeah, they don't yeah. have a court, right? The so, courts. They need you know. those built, right? So I think that the, the opportunities, I think Chris Tucker is also involved. Obama was involved. I mean, a lot of the African advocates in America were involved. And I think it's great because um, I really believe that we need to really build our own. Like, I'm hoping even, I'm hoping to have, like, a Euro-type league for soccer in Africa, too. Like, because, you know, in Europe, um, in our previous episode, uh, Fee mentioned about how a lot of the fans in Italy are very racist and how they talk to these athletes on the field. So it's giving these guys a place to play at home and really create wealth within their own community and not have to go to Europe and make them make them a lot of money. But, hey, want to create wealth within our own continent. So I think it's a great way to really pour into the continent and and those nations as well, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, and mentorship is important too. Like you, you talk yeah. about the value of seeing brothers that look like you come from your city and go on and do great things. For me, that was that's what it was. Like I grew up on on, on a street that had Anson Carter and, and, and Courtney Charles. So I grew up around brothers that were doing great things. So it's like, I had no choice but to try to do better. You know what I mean? So you just, you got to see people that come from your block do great things. You're like, you know what? They came from here. I could do it too. So Yeah. All right. Um, Oh, one last thing. If you haven't got a chance, any listeners haven't got a chance to uh, check it out, it's the BA, just type in Google BAL basketball and it'll pop up. Actually, I like the logo actually. Looks like Kobe. Yo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of slick. The way they have the yellow, red, green, like it looks like Kind of like a, a Zulu shield, kind of with with the color. It looks it's not like kind of slick. Oh, I hope yeah. everyone walks like this for kind of forever, like yeah. on the porn stuff. <laughs> All right, so 
Let's go to That's Absurd. Absurd. Behem, what was absurd this week? What was absurd, brother? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of uh, Kyrie right now. Oh, God. Good topic. First, Kyrie made a, uh, a comment on coaching, um, saying that on any given night, it could be he's a coach or KD could be the coach, um, which obviously is not what you want to say when you just hired your coach two weeks just ago. Sign him a deal, bro. Just sign him. Completely absurd. Nelly J. So first of all, Kyrie, thank you for helping the WNBA players that needed money during COVID. Thank yes. you so much. I appreciate you. Now, Kyrie, <laughs> what the F is your problem, bro? Like, what <laughs> is the issue? No, I'm curious to know, Kyrie, because you, you speak out of pocket all the time. You left Cleveland to go to Boston because you want your own team. You went to Boston. No one liked you. Then you left. Now you're in Brooklyn now. And you're talking mad talk, like mad talk. Steve Nash was a player, and I was a coach. He's hired. He's your coach now. So for you to say that, oh, well, I'm a coach, like, no, you're not a coach. You're hired to play the game of basketball. So the fact that, like, you're being, for me, as Nash, I would be very worried. It's like, so, like, I just got hired. I, like, you're not even paying me any, like, oh, you know, thanks. We're excited to work with Nash. Like, nothing like that is more like, I could be a coach. So can Katie. We could all be coaches. We're all, we're all, we could all coach. Like, coaching is not an easy job. Like coaching is actually quite hard. So you're kind of being kind of being very rude, disrespectful, but also you're being absurd because Kyrie, you want you want to ring with LeBron, and that's been it. That's been your highlight. So stop acting like you're this, you know, superstar winning rings on every other team. You're not. Sorry. Go ahead, Andrew. <laughs> uh, you know, Kyrie Irving, amazing talent. Some would say uh, the best handles uh, mm. in NBA history. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? But uh, I think he's just bored at home, maybe had too many mushrooms or something. You know, people, you know, put microphones in your face and you just want to talk crazy all the time. <laughs> uh, you know, and I will say this. LeBron had said something uh, in regards to that situation about Kyrie's being jealous, uh, you know, not being jealous of each other. And I, and I was looking back at those old... Kobe versus Kyrie in the USA, you know what I mean? Where Kyrie was so brazen and disrespectful to Kobe, saying he'd lock him up and, and just kind of talking out of his butt. Now, <laughs> Warren, I'm, I'm sure you can attest to this. Everyone feels like they're the man when they're on the court. Everyone feels that their opinion is, is important. And But, you know, him just talking out of his, his butt about, you know, being a coach him talking on his butt about saying that, you, you know, it just seems there's been a, a pattern. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know, man. War, this is your, that's your man's, right? Not, not really. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I will say that Kyrie, I think people are starting to see, you know, Kyrie's ego a lot. You know, I mean, that statement for him to say about Nash, I mean, it's like Nash is already in a tough position. They're going to be on TV every night. You know what I mean? Like, you got KD and Kyrie on that team, and it's your first year as a head coach. So, right then and there, you know, they're like they're already off to a bad start. Nash, Nash now needs to come in there and set the tone in yes. terms of it being his team and, you know, him being a coach. You know, like him, him being taken seriously as a coach. So, um, right then and there, Kyrie is already making it 
you know, publicly known that Nash is not really suitable for the job. So, you know, that in itself is, is whack. And then two, you know, as much as you got to give, you know, Kyrie his respect for, you know, being able to play basketball at the level that he does, at the same time, Kyrie just needs to watch his mouth now because he's just, he's just talking himself into not being liked, you know, like yes. people, people are not going to like him because of how much he says outside of basketball. Now I know he says, you know, like it's, you know, like it's just the game, blah, 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 fine. But, you know, you, you also need to learn how to speak in front of cameras and knowing that people are going to take every word that you say and try and twist it, you know what I mean? And try and run with it. So Kyrie's always playing into their hand. And it's like, now I'm like, okay, Kyrie, you're just making us look bad. I don't even like you anymore, bro. Like you're literally just, just saying a bunch of nonsense that is not helping your case. Uh So, I mean, you're right, guys. That's absurd. <laughs> like it is. Everything he said this week was absurd. I mean, him, you know, him taking shots at LeBron, like LeBron, LeBron final. But then he said, you know, "You're at home. You're at home, Kyrie." Even if, even if it's true, you're, bro. You're at home. You're not playing. Right. LeBron's in the finals. You're not. You're not. <laughs> you know, like say that. Say that when you're, you know, there in the finals. You can talk all you want to when you're there. You're not, you're not there. Can we, talk, can we talk about Steve Nash not being the person they should have hired for that job in Brooklyn? Really? You think it wouldn't be a good job? Listen, guys. Listen, I love Canada, guys. You know, I'm wearing my, I wore my Canadian, you know, hoodie today specifically for this. I love Canada just like everyone else. I respect Steve Nash for his contributions. Back-to-back MVP. I don't know about that one, guys. But uh, he's, he's, a, he's a player uh, with a, a vast on-court performance. Sometimes those players don't transfer into being the best, you know, coaches. We've seen that before. Magic Johnson, great player, horrible coach. Isaiah Thomas, great player, horrible coach, horrible in organizations. You know what I mean? Well, I, I love going to be good at, for sure. I don't know why they even hired him in the first place. Andrew, I'll throw, that. Andrew I'll throw this to you then. If not Steve Nash, then who? Then who? Yeah, let you me know, know too. I want to know. We were, we, you know, like my, my guy Stephen A. Smith had, had was, you know, blowing. You my guy Stephen A. Smith. Oh, that ends right there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like next. Ask Warren. <laughs> I, I, I say, I say that jokingly. I don't like Stephen A. Either. I met him and he was uh, a, a very snooty towards me. But um, Tyrone Lou, guys, Tyrone Lou has been an assistant coach forever. Yeah. Sam Cassell. Right. Assistant coach forever on that Milwaukee team, on that Clippers bench. Let's mm-hmm. be honest here, guys. Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson is, is spitting gems from the broadcast booth. Mm-hmm. His job was taken from him and given to an, another unqualified white man. Okay. So I that, don't know what's going on no, here, no, guys, Steve, but we got Steve to Kerr do was a GM. Steve Kerr was a GM. Steve Nash Steve, has no. Steve Nash has not even called a timeout in his life. So it's, it's a little different. A little bit different. A little, little different. Steve yeah. Kerr had a little bit of experience. Yeah. Steve, well, Steve, Steve Nash, Nash, 46 Steve years Nash old. State, Remember, Steve Nash worked with Golden State in the past. As a player coach, though, but not, yeah, not player as coach. a coach. Yeah, player coach. Yeah, yeah. But- Jamal McGlure is not, is not the same type of you know player coaches, guys. Very No disrespect to Big Cat. Sorry, right. Big Cat. Yeah. I shouldn't have said that. But, like, let's you be honest what? here. I really feel that, like, I don't think – I think I I thought I assumed that when they hire Steve Nash, that they spoke with Katie and Kyrie, who are the superstars, around the hiring. 
it kind of seems like they did not do that because the way they're talking is kind of like whatever. They even shouted out the assistant coach for Brooklyn and not Steve Nash. So it's kind of like, weren't they not involved? So Brooklyn, like, why didn't you involve your superstar? Because typically, yeah. like LeBron, you wouldn't hire a coach without LeBron having a say in it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, typically you ask your top players. So I assume they asked Katie and Kyrie for their blessing. Right. Finding him. That's what I thought. But the way they were talking was like, I could be a coach. So can Katie. So can Kevin Durant. It's like, what? Uh, Dash is there. Hmm. That's a that's an inside job in Brooklyn, there, guys. That's Sean Marks hiring his buddy. The it's a Canada connection, Toronto connection. These guys that know each other saying, you know what? Let me let me put my boy in a position to get some money and opportunity. And mm -hmm. Nash is like, hey, why not? Why would you not want to coach this team of, of players that you played with or know personally? Yeah. But I, I just think it's another setup, guys. Like it's, it's not going to work out in your favor. These guys that think you could just you know throw together these super teams, put these. Let's, we saw what happens. In, in, in Los Angeles, with the Clippers, mm -hmm. it doesn't work, guys. It takes a lot more to that. No, it's true. Uh, to uh, the Kyrie point that someone made, uh, I just want to address with uh, leadership. So the difference between LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. Uh, LeBron, when he had Teron Lue, Teron Lue had no head coach experience. But LeBron, as much as we know that LeBron runs the show, LeBron would never go to the media and downplay Teron Lue's uh, ability to lead him, even though we know he wasn't, but he stood, and that's what keeps uh, Teron Lou having the championship. And when now he he has market value because people associate, oh, he coached LeBron James, uh, Kyrie. In other words, what he did now, he undermines Steve Nash. So now Steve Nash coming in in the back of everyone's mind is going to be the fact that Kyrie's outed what their play like he's not really our coach he's just there anyone you know what i'm saying so he undermined his coach and now i know steve nash signed for five years but during this five years he not five years it's one of those things where when he leaves brooklyn or whatever happens it's always gonna be hanging over his head is was he really coaching katie like you know it just it takes away from his his credibility that's all yeah. last point about this in regards to Kyrie is what he said about lebron james his subliminal, actually, my bad. I shouldn't say what he said about LeBron, but what he said subliminally. Indirectly. Indirectly. Yeah. It's associated uh, to be with LeBron. So let me, does any, let me see here. That's I one. have it. Yeah, he said, he said, I felt like I was the best option on every team I've played for down the stretch. This is the first time in my career where I can be like, that mother effer can make that shot too. And quotation marks. <laughs> disrespectful um, disrespectful yes you know warren has made jokes before about me being a lebron stan he's called me a lebron sexual you know what yeah. i mean he, he likes to make jokes uh you know saying that i'm, I'm one of uh you know whatever i i say i'm one of the king's men king's men uh, you know yes. what I mean? i'm yes. one of the king's men i'm one of yes. you know what i mean and and yes. with that being said for for Kyrie to say such disrespectful talks to a man that carried him. Let's be it's honest older. here. Let's, Warren, I know you're shaking your head. You're looking at that one 40-point game where they went 40 for 40. Warren, that's one game. Warren, let's, yeah, let's talk about LeBlanc, Warren. Let's talk let's about not, all those not, other the, situations. Okay, that's, I understand Warren, that, but Andrew, Warren, don't just say carry, though. You use I look, that listen, term lightly. It's, it's, okay, I, I will anybody. say this. I will say this. He LeBron, led. He LeBron led James Warren. Finals MVP. You know what comes with that finals MVP? 
That means you're the top dog. It means you were the chief. You were the glue to that championship trophy. So for him to to negate the fact that LeBron was the man of that team, Uh disrespectful. And I hope LeBron sees him and said, brother, what is you talking about? But knowing Kyrie... That LeBron made it to the final without Kyrie. When he was injured, LeBron made it without Kyrie. But guess what? If LeBron was on that team with Kyrie alone, they wouldn't have made it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying LeBron carried the team like... But he is the major reason why they made it there. Kyrie, of course, is a great handler, is a great skill set, but LeBron made it with, with or without him. So I just feel like Kyrie, in his mind, he is the reason why they won. I get it. Like, he has an ego, understandable, you're an athlete, whatever. But I just feel like Kyrie has not shown LeBron respect that he should have in the past. Like, he's always giving LeBron shots. It's like he's so bitter that he left Cleveland. Like, bro, you left first. <laughs> LeBron was there, and you left. So why are you still bitter about this entire LeBron situation. It's kind of it's kind of petty and it's kind of annoying to be honest. Yeah. It's, it, sorry, I just want to say it's, it's one it's one of those things where locker room chemistry and Warren and I talk about it all the time, and I guess that's part of why we called our show Locker Room Talk. That locker room chemistry is so essential to winning, and uh-huh. it's often undervalued because not everyone can shoot the shot. You know, what I mean, you're definitely going to need someone else to play their position, and being able to, you know play your position is, is, you know, you can't, you can't do it alone, you know? And LeBron knows that. LeBron's the ultimate team player. No. For, for him to, for Kyrie to say that to LeBron, that's, I know that cuts LeBron so deep. It's disrespectful. See, Kyrie, he's, he's a B-side player who made an A-side comment. So like, Woo. Woo. come again. Ooh. Preach, preach up. Come again. <laughs> Kyrie's not in that position. Uh, he, Kyrie doesn't know what it's like to do heavy lifting, right? So LeBron is doing the heavy lifting and even, okay, here's the thing. So let's walk with Kyrie for a moment. Let's say that Kyrie is more equipped to take that last second shot. Let's entertain that. Fine, right? It's a lot more to winning a championship than being able to hit that last second shot. So for Kyrie to actually say that, um, he's completely out of pocket because that's the kind of comment I would expect an A-list guy to say to look to his right, to his Robin and say, hey, you know what, at least, you know, because that's your that's your main job to do, hit those shots. So I just think like Kyrie, he's never been um, an A-list player or an A-side player to say, hey, you know what, he's the A and my B, my number two option. He never had that situation. Even in the situation now in Brooklyn, he's still not the A-list, A-list player. It's KD. <laughs> like- so he's like, he's Kyrie B Irving, you know what I'm saying? Like he's B, you know what I'm saying? So like, um, yeah, it's, you know, LeBron has, he, he better, forget words, LeBron just, he better handle the situation. Warren, I'll let you go out with this. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, I think people need to be careful when they talk about uh, LeBron because <laughs> Andrew's face <laughs> is already killing me. Um, I, well, the only thing I don't like about maybe LeBron's fans is just the fact that they give they, they often disrespect his teammates and in terms of saying how much LeBron has to lift and, you know, his stats and stuff. I don't know a guy who can get eight or nine assists with, you know, bad teammates. So how are you getting a triple-double every game if your teammates are so shit, you know? Yeah. So I think Kyrie was saying at that time that they played together, LeBron never really took those clutch shots. 
And that that's just a okay. fact. He maybe now well, later he didn't on have in his to. career, he had Kyrie, he had you know what I mean. He, had right. he didn't he didn't really do that. So I think that's what Kyrie is saying. What what I will say though to I guess LeBron's credit is that Kyrie is still whatever for whatever reason taking shots at him, and I don't care if he meant that. You know what I mean? You know, like towards LeBron, you just got to have some class when you do it. If you're at the top of the mountain, then you can say whatever you want to say. But when you're not even playing, when you haven't played all season long, you haven't done shit, you damn self, <laughs> I wouldn't be saying those kind of comments about a guy who has consistently, con- like literally consistently been to the same place every single time. Like LeBron has been in the finals the last, for this whole decade, which is incredible. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, you have to tip your hat to that. As much as I'm, you know, I may have my own personal quarrels, you gotta, t- you gotta tip your hat to that because that that's incredible for any athlete. Dude, we're ne- we're probably never gonna see that again in our, you know, what I mean, in our lifetime. So for Kyrie to be doing that now doesn't really doesn't really sit well with me. You know, like as a basketball fan personally, it's like, yo, like you, yo, just respect where this guy is right now. He, it's you know, like this is this is his time. If anything, you should just be saying, I'm looking forward to playing with Kevin Durant. I'm not gonna take shots at LeBron and talk about you know his game winning shot because. We don't even know if Kevin Durant's going to make it through, you know, a full season. Hello. We don't even know that yet. yet. <laughs> you don't know. So we don't know, you know, you don't know, you know, like, look, KD is coming off of a very serious injury. Uh, it's not a joke tearing your Achilles, especially when you want to go play basketball again. So um, I I like that, that part of it, I didn't like, but at the same time, I, I think, I think Kyrie just needs to just now watch what he says the rest of the year. He right. just needs to do that, man. But, but and, what do you know? I feel like Kyrie always speaks out of pocket. Like that's just who he, he is. He does. Yeah. He just needs to be it, humble. Like, he needs to like, be humble. I think he said, "Oh, guys, um, they're putting us against each other again." It's like, no, Kyrie, you said those comments, right. and now, now take look at them, right? Like, t- talk your shit, but own up to it. Be accountable for it. Like Kyrie's not doing that. He's not saying, you know what? I can see why you guys would think that way, but, uh, but. I forgot about like, like at least own up to it. Don't say, man, y- y'all being extra. I didn't say it like that. Yes, you did. The quotes are out there, bro. <laughs> yeah. But he Kyrie. said, stay, he said, stay woke. Come on, yeah. Kyrie. Come on. Kyrie, Kyrie gave people the option to interpret his words any which way they wanted to. Right. And especially in today's day and age, you need to say exactly what you mean because whatever it is that, you know, I mean, it comes out of your mouth today, especially online at that level. You, you're good. It's going to be scrutinized 100%. You could say anything, you could say daisies are red and people will lose their mind. So, that, that's no, exactly, exactly. So, um, I just add one last thing in regards to this. Um, there's also motive for, for why K, uh, Kyrie would have said this. Um, him and Katie have a podcast. Have you heard of that? It's called The Execs. Yes, nah. it's on his podcast. Mm-hmm. Something like this, which is open ended, open for interpretation on your podcast, it's gonna just drive people to your podcast, you know. So, I think there's motive for him to say, Hey, this is our opening episode, why not say something That's super some crazy shit? <laughs> and, and get a whole lot of viewers, it's gonna work, yeah, it's gonna work, yeah. And I, you know what, I'm, I'm not mad at that, then that makes sense. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. I, I mean, are, people, you, are, you, are you saying you're okay with him being cloudy? That's cloudy. No, I, I'm not okay with it, but I un- I understand the business oh. move behind yeah. it. Like, if you, if you have an opening podcast, so, 
I think Katie's bitter that they lost the Raptors last year. I think Kyrie's bitter because he hasn't won anything since LeBron. Well, Katie didn't and, play, so I don't. I mean, I don't. Think I Katie's know, but bitter. yes, but Katie's had to talk about the Raptors like, oh, if I play, like he's been t- talking that shit the last year. I mean, I I think if KD played that series, would have been Come a on, whole Warren, lot different. Warren, Warren, stop this, bro. Stop. Warren, this, bro. stop. Warren, stop. stop. Warren. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't say they're gonna I would win. I say it would be harder, but no. Yeah, it'd be it's different. Quiet, play, no. I, uh, can I say one thing though, guys? I, I want to shout out um, Nelly for being amazing. Uh, one, because I've been like watching her career as like like this personality, amazing, amazing. And I knew she been had the sauce. I knew she had talent. I knew she was beautiful, but like <laughs> the mouth and the combination, everything. Definitely a, a hidden gem in this community. So nice. Thank you. All right. Any you other shout out for him too, bro? Shout out? Better, he, listen, shout out listen. Him. I will. I will. I think we all need to support Black creatives, people of color, and minorities in our spaces. We are all in this together. I Absolutely. hope that we find ways to unify and work together. You guys all have my contact information. Anything you need, please let me know. I can help. Uh, we, we're all in this together. Warren knows that. You know, I tell people. Yeah, this all I was going to say, can I? Some people. Some people. Say my last. Uh, the last 15 out? seconds. Yes. Yeah, no, I just, I would like to say a uh, special shout out to Mr. Miller. I mean, he's been an instrumental part of my development in the last, this whole year, to be honest. So, uh, you know, bringing me on, you know what I mean, to his network, you know what I mean? Shout out to TV Co. <laughs> bringing me on to that network, you know, uh, having us do our podcast together. It gave me the confidence to go ahead and do this now. So, um, I, you know, regardless of this, I was going to do it anyway, but I just wanted to publicly say thank you so much for all you do. Uh, it goes a long way. A couple clones since then, eh, Warren? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, great, great show, guys. Love being on it. Uh, Honestly, like, I want to show you guys out. Thanks for hopping on, guys. Like, literally, I was like, Andrew, you, can, you, can you be a guest and your boy? Yeah, sure. I'm like, great. So I'm happy you guys came on. You guys were excellent, awesome. Don't forget to come on again in the future. I'd like to great. have you guys return. And I also want to shout out um, Sue Bird. Sue Bird is now the yes. third player in WNBA and NBA history to win a title in three different decades. That's yep. insane. So Sue Bird definitely be a Hall of Famer in the future. But shout out to her and to the Seattle uh, Storm for, for winning their championship this week. They and Brianna Taylor ass. for winning MVP. After coming off a ruptured Achilles, which is incredible. Yeah. Like, you know, tore her Achilles last year and now she's back playing. You know, yeah. wins a chip, nice. all that hard work she put in. So shout out to Brianna Taylor. Uh, Brianna Taylor. Wow, Brianna Stewart. Here, here we go. Yeah, Brianna Stewart. I want you back. Sorry. But yo, know, shout out to Brianna Taylor too. But Brianna Stewart. No doubt. Yeah. Um, my shout out's quick. I just want to shout out to a random one Michael Bradley from the TFC. Reason why uh, we were. Me and Ellie J, we did a podcast last week, uh, the big old podcast with our boy, uh, our pod brother, we'll say, uh, Julian Ortiz. And we had a little conversation about uh, Toronto, iconic Toronto athletes. And we went through, you know, uh, Raptors, Leafs, uh, Blue Jays, didn't mention anything about the TFC at all. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a shame because Michael Bradley somebody who's, since he's been in Toronto like six years now, he's been the captain. Uh, he's got a ring, uh, like TFC won the championship. And even in Toronto, we really don't identify with it. We don't respect it, right? Um, also, he's had, he had like a few all-star appearances also. So like 
uh, for what he's done. Uh, he came from Europe, Michael Bradley came, and he's just been the captain and running the ship for TFC for like last six years. He's someone, regardless of what happens in the future, um, we'd have to put him in the conversation as like an iconic Toronto athlete. And he's someone who's got completely slept on. So that's when I at least shot him out, um, Michael Bradley from TFC. All right. Um, so let's put this episode in the books. Episode yeah. eight, y'all. Number eight. I want to have our, our amazing guest handles and information so y'all can contact them, support their content, support their yep. projects. Um, it's all about, you know, creating our own community within the Black media. Um, definitely want to shout out all of our viewers, our listeners. You guys are, it's like, we're getting more and more people. I'm getting more comments. So thanks, guys, for really supporting the Good Rookies podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you. Please share, please like, and subscribe. Lot of room talk podcast. Good Tuesdays. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get something going once the next uh, well this season. Uh, Asterisks for the championship this year? Yes or no? No. No. no exactly. Pat Beverly talks too much. By the way, too. By the way, no much. Much harder to win in those conditions, I think, yeah. with the, the health scare, your family not being around. Mental, you can't go home. You got to stay in that bubble. There's no fans. You're not playing. You're literally there for 80-odd days, and these guys been there for months. Nah, I think this year, this, this is the hardest championship to win, right. for sure. It's only an asterisk under one condition. If the person who says it's an asterisk didn't watch the NBA at all, they boycotted it. Like, cause some people might say, hey, you know what? It's an asterisk and you didn't watch it. Then it's an asterisk, of course, like for sure. But you can't say it's an asterisk and watch every every, every series. Yeah, no. yeah. if you watch no, the no, games, no. it wasn't an asterisk. These games Not at all. Hard, uh, they know? were intense. Yeah, they yeah. were intense. Finals, sure. finals MVP? Anthony Davis. Of course you'd say that, hater. No, no I, Anthony I, Davis. I think it's very close between uh, and Davis. I think. I think media is going to give it to him, but I mean, Anthony yeah. Davis is the one who, oh, okay, well. you know, Anthony Davis okay. is guarding Jimmy Butler. What, what, what else more do you want? What else more? has he, been what, very what, aggressive. His numbers? He's the best offensive player there, and he's the best defensive he player there. Yeah. He the plays problem. the majority of the minutes. Absolutely, Davis. Thank you guys. We out. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned, please.